Amen. How's everybody doing? Sorry, I just centered this up. You guys ever know? There's a line right here. All right, so if you get bored today, or if you find yourself multitasking during the sermon, just ask the World Cup game is on right now, the women's final. So please do not share corporately. Don't whisper to your neighbor because somebody might hear it. I got the game recording. Okay. All right, so before we get started today, amen. Before we get started today, I wanted to quickly recap. I want take us into this next part of a journey that I started a couple months ago um, towards what it means to be the bride of Christ. So I'm going to follow up on that message, but if you weren't here, I'm going to start by giving you a three-minute review. So you get two messages today. How about that? All right. So last time we explored together, if this is termed the bride of Christ, even a real thing. It doesn't exist in the Bible physically, like literally, bride of Christ doesn't exist. But we explore that. Is it a real thing? And if so, what does that mean about our identity as individuals? So we unpacked that. We identified it indeed was true. We looked at a bunch of Bible verses, and we agreed that it was a real thing. There's references to the creator being the husband and the bride of God and how we, the church, will be the bride of the lamb, the wife of the lamb. Things, enough of those kind of things that we can put together and say, yep, that we believe that's a true thing. And I suggested that the bride of Christ applies to the church as a whole, corporately, to Israel, to the end time, New Jerusalem, second coming of the Lord, uh, but also to us as individuals. So I proposed that it was applicable to all those things. Nobody kicked me out of the church. Uh, they invited me back to speak today, although they didn't know maybe I was going to speak about this. And so I figured we're okay. We're on the right track. We're good. We're good. And from that place about our identity, specifically we found that we looked into Song of Solomon, in particular, what the Shulamite, or I'm sorry, what the bridegroom or the husband, the young man, depending on the version that you're looking at, the, what, that, what he was saying prophetically through that about us as individuals. And we heard that we are, God loves us a lot, that he's enamored with us, that we're beautiful, that we're lovely, that we're, he wants to, us to come away with him. He can't resist being with us. Those things are what we capture that we're royalty. If, he, if he's the king, we're the queen, right? That we sit at the throne with him. All these things which were pretty amazing. That was it. That was the catch up. You're caught up. That's what we talked about. And somebody's like, yeah, that'd be great if you would have kept it that short the first time. All right. So today I want to take the next step, if you would, if you want to join me, the next step in this journey. If not, you can totally leave. That's okay. So because we know the bride of Christ is real, and last time we looked at what it means about our identity, today I want to look at, since the bride of Christ is a real thing, what does it mean about our relationship with Jesus? Not who we are, but what our relationship is with Jesus. And I want to propose that because we're the bride of Christ, we're invited into this relationship with Jesus, who's the bridegroom, a relationship that's full of passion and that can be physically and emotionally felt. So that's what I'm going to propose today. I have disclaimers for my message, as I often do. One, 
I got permission from Mary to share a little bit about our relationship today. She told me not to embarrass her, not to go over the top. Those that you know me closely know I never do. And also, she thought about not coming to church today, but she showed up, so we'll see. Also, I want to disclaimer, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I can, I, I have no problem interacting with things emotionally. I'll, as an example, I cry often at, at things that maybe some people don't cry about, right? Like, it's not uncommon for, recently we've been, we've been watching uh, America's Got Talent, and like just casually, and I don't even, like I turn it on, there's some backstory about some little kid who's overcome great adversity, they're living their dream, they hit the golden buzzer, and I'm like, you know, my kids look over me, Dad, are you crying? There are TV shows or movies, The Notebook, for example, that, like for me, some guys don't cry at that stuff, I'm a wreck. When you find out, you know, that it's, they were actually married the whole time. Or uh, commercials. There's a Super Bowl commercial one year called That's Why God Made a Farmer. It was a remake of an old Paul Harvey thing. And it's a Dodge truck commercial. <laughs> Probably even chicken wings. <laughs> I'm a wreck. All right, so emotionally, I admit, as of this time, I can connect to things emotionally pretty easily. But if you're not like me, or if you're not like Larry Faldo, as a hypothetical other person who might be emotionally able to connect with this, then today I want to, I'm going to work really hard to help you to connect with this message too. All right? Is that fair? All right. Also, we are going to be talking a little bit about marriage, the bride of Christ, what that looks like. And I also want to be very serious. If you're not yet married, I'm going to use some examples about married life. And the reality is not everybody in here is married. So I want to, I'm going to try hard also to connect this to you, even though I do believe this connects to you, even though you might not have that have, had that experience. And so I want, to, I want to just put that out there too. All right, sound good? All right, let's get started. So in case you've already forgot, we're going to talk about this idea that we're invited into this relationship with Jesus that's full of passion and that can be emotionally and physically felt. You're going to hear that 102 times. All right. Who in the room has ever been in love or is currently in love? If your spouse is in the room, raise your hands. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So many of us have had a physical, natural experience about being in love. Is that fair? A good chunk of us. I want us to recall some of the thoughts or experiences that we've had while we were walking through or as we're walking through that experience. I want to jump back to when you first started falling in love. And remember decades ago for some of you, for me, decades ago for the record, I want you to remember that those times when you had an emotion, emotional or physical reaction to that person. Right? And I want you to think about the emotional reaction that just being near the person. They'd walk in the room and maybe you'd smile or maybe you could feel yourself have a shift in your emotions. Maybe that person consumed your thoughts for periods of time on end, maybe, or at least for moments where you couldn't stop thinking about, you know, that person or what that person was doing or what you're going to do with that person, where you're going, etc. And maybe you couldn't wait, wait to spend time with them. Right? I know when Mary and I 
we're engaged. You know, it, as a Christian couple, it's not like kosher to spend the night, right? We're trying hard, but we want to stay with each other as long as we could. You know, so you're up late night. This is before we were married, caveat. Staying up as late as we could so that we could stay together as long as possible before somebody had to make the drive home too late in the evening and you wake up in the morning and you're like, when am I going to see them again, right? I don't know if anybody else had that experience. And you just wanted to spend as much time as you could with this person. Or, or maybe remember that physical reaction that you had. The butterflies in your stomach. The, maybe I'll tell, I'm gonna give a tell. Mary, Mary gets like blotchy skin, she gets nervous. So it's like easy for me to see, okay. <laughs> She's like, or maybe you, maybe you blush easily. You know, you would blush, you physical blushing. Or maybe you get cold sweats and you'd have to bring a change to shirt or something. Yeah, sweaty palms, right? So do you remember those moments? The physical and emotional reaction that you had to this person that you were in love with? Yes, anybody? Does it? Yeah? I just want to make sure I'm not alone because if, if, that, if that was a deal breaker, we're done. We might as well just pray and go home. Okay, so we have this moment, right? And as you, if you got married, potentially those emotions increased, especially in this bride and bridegroom scenario that we're going to start talking about. In anticipation of your wedding day, those emotional and physical reactions may have increased or gotten more intense. Mary and I were engaged for a year. That's too long. <laughs> Don't do it. Okay. And then I remember, I remember on our wedding day, right? A tradition here in the States, at least, is you don't see your bride on the wedding day. So I'm sitting there like this anticipation is building and building. I can't wait to see her, you know? They're probably taking a billion pictures and putting on tons of makeup. I don't have to do that. Awesome. But I still can't wait to see her. And then I walk in the room and I walk down the aisle. Nice really traditional church, pews, beautiful decorations, standing in front, all of a sudden the door opens. I see Mary step into the room and I started crying, of course. <laughs> I lost it, right? That anticipation, that anticipation of seeing my bride on the wedding day, right? And then that emotion and physical reaction, you know, continues to increase. Obviously, hopefully that's consummated, literally, on your wedding night. Like, that's probably a pretty significant analogy. Okay, not to get awkward, but I'll pause. <laughs> Are the height of your physical and emotional reaction, and through the early years of your marriage, that is a felt thing. People refer to it as the honeymoon period. Right? When a lot of your relationship is about that physical and emotional, and Mary and I don't like that term, the honeymoon period, because, you know, we would prefer that that continues throughout. It's not just a moment in time that goes away that has to be waited until it's over. Right? But let's be honest. We've been married for almost 20 years. Right? And so as your days go on in marriage, sometimes, you know, life gets busy. We got stuff to do. We can't sit at the beach in Charleston forever. Gosh, that wasn't good. 
right? But stuff happens and you start to move on. And, you know, maybe your date looks something like this. Maybe you, you wake up, right? You have breakfast, you get the kids to school, you go to work, you got after school activities if you have kids, you make dinner. Hopefully you eat dinner while you're watching Jeopardy. You pay your bills, you got to figure out, you know, what you got to get done. You got to plan for some upcoming events or you have people coming over maybe later in the week and you're trying to get ready for that. You try to connect with your kids and support them in what they're doing. Try to keep them from killing themselves. You know, you've got these moments and you go through and you find yourself on the sofa maybe to catch a favorite show and falling asleep on the sofa and dragging yourself upstairs and getting ready to go to bed. She's brushing her teeth, and you're trying to figure out if you're going to brush your teeth or not. You know, then, then you kiss each other goodnight, maybe on the lips, maybe on the cheek, maybe depending on the previous decision, and then, then you go to bed, and you pass out. And you wake up tomorrow to do it again, right? Now, a lot of that stuff that I just talked about is good stuff, right? You might be connecting, you might... I mean, investing in your kids, investing, spending time together, doing all that stuff's good. But have you found yourself sometimes in the routine of life where you start to go through the motions and maybe things become a little bit of a routine or maybe things start to get a little bit mundane? Has anybody found themselves there? Now, I think most of the married couples in the room would agree that a successful marriage cannot be all the touchy-feely, positive, physical, like passionate moments and intimate things, right? There's life we got to do, and you can do that well, etc. But I would propose that if your marriage relationship is missing that part that's the physical, emotional, passionate, intimate connection, then your marriage is missing a part of what marriage was intended. Include. Would we agree with that? Okay. So, what happens when we find ourselves in a place where we maybe haven't, no longer have a physical or emotional reaction to our spouse? Wait, let me cut it clear. When we no longer have a positive physical (laughs) or emotional reaction to our spouse, we can do things about it. Right? If we find ourselves in like caught in a rug, we do things about it, right? We find time to spend together. We steal away. The idea of like a date night. Get out of the routine and let's go on a date night. Last night, Mary and I went on a date night. And we went to my son's restaurant so we could see him work. <laughs> but that was that was okay. So, or you maybe you stoke the fire by remembering or doing something that you love to do as a couple. Like you love it, it stirs up those feelings of physical and emotional reaction, or you take a moment to flash back in memory to you know things that you love about this person, right? Or maybe you find new things. You find a new thing to do that's fun, and you find yourself doing something new, and it also maybe sparks a fire for something that's new and find passion in a new way. Is that fair? Okay. All right, so let me, if I can, draw, jump back. Bible uses this example about bride and the bridegroom. So let's apply this, let's rewind, and do this activity again with thinking about our relationship with Jesus. And this one might 
be, everybody might be able to join in this, on this one. How many of you have ever fell in love or felt in love with the Lord or Jesus? And if you haven't, that's okay. But some of you have had a physical, emotional reaction to being in love with the Lord. If you haven't, stay tuned, okay? So do you remember those first moments? Do you remember those first moments when, when you were consumed with thoughts about the Lord? What he was doing, or what he was going to do, or what he was like, what he, what he liked. Do you remember those moments when you could feel his presence? You got a physical reaction. You know, maybe you were physically healed and could feel it. Maybe you felt this is maybe sounds weird if you haven't experienced this, but you can feel him in your space. You might blush or have butterflies in your stomach or, or feel giddy or feel light or feel heavy if you feel, you know, a, a good heavy, like a weightiness, right? You might physically have a reaction to being in the presence of the Lord. The excitement that you felt when you knew the Lord was getting ready to do something and you were going to be a part The anticipation that you felt about stealing away with the Lord. You knew you were going to get away, maybe maybe to a retreat or maybe on a hiking trip. You know, I know this is coming. I'm going to get away and spend some time just me and the Lord. And that anticipation, expectation that you feel in those moments, that, that emotional response that you get when he answers a prayer or when something gets broken off of you or when somebody else has an interaction and the emotional relation that you get in those moments. Am I all right? But maybe some days life keeps going, right? And maybe sometimes your days look like you wake up and you thank the Lord for the day, you do your devotions, you go to church, maybe you walk out your calling during the week, whatever that looks like, you pray for meals, you you're asking him to help with things through the week. You're seeking his wisdom. You're, maybe you're a part of a small group or you're going on a missions trip or you're doing these things and praying at bedtime. All these things that are part of your day. Have you ever found yourself in where your relationship with the Lord gets stuck in a routine? Or you get stuck in maybe a mundane, going through the motions of life. And all that stuff's good stuff. Right? And it's important to do some of those things. Or maybe important. That might not be the right word. It's good. It can be good. I don't know. Done for the right reasons. Like that stuff can be good, right? But if you find yourself in that spot, you're like, oh, I'm going through the motions. There's something missing. Jesus calls us out. In Revelation, and Oliver, if you can put this up for me, in Revelation 2 2 through 5. He's talking to the church in Ephesus and he says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You've discovered they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without but all that sounds like great stuff. Right? But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You don't love me or each other as, as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and put out your 
miss. This is, again, a message to the church of Ephesus. It sounds to me like they were doing some good things that needed to get done and probably had the right spirit about it, but they had fallen away from their first love. I think it's important that Jesus put that in there because I think it proposes that a relationship with the Lord where you're just going through the motions of life is missing something. Like a relationship with a husband and wife if it's missing that emotion, passion, physical reaction. Now, you could say to me, yes, Ryan, but I can love my brother or I can love my friend. I don't have to get weird about it. Love is a big, agape love is a big word. So why are you trying to bring this whole example of a bride and bridegroom and make today awkward? I might say, well, it's because it's in the Bible. Because I was raised in church and I know good Sunday school answers. (laughs) The reality is... God used this this example. He used it, not me. I'm not making this up. God used the bride of Christ analogy for a reason. To remind us that there's more to Christian life than just going through the motions. Right? And I think that Song of Solomon as a whole also has purpose and is a good example just to connect the dots. That God is trying to tell us something about a passionate relationship that he wants to have. Yes, he wants to be a brother and a friend and a good father, but he also wants to have this deep, physical, emotionally felt relationship with us. Song of Solomon has a purpose, right? I don't think it was put in the canyon because they wanted to make sure some poetry, good historical poetry was included for history reference, right? I don't think Song of, uh, I don't think Solomon himself, when he was writing it, maybe he, you know, they probably didn't include it because this was a good romance story. You know, they, in other words, Solomon had a lot of money. He probably would have commissioned somebody to make some coming of age movie instead. And I probably would have cried when I watched it. But I, it's, it has a purpose in the Bible. And the spiritual relevance, I think, is important. The hard thing to note is that it can be a hard book to read because it is so full of poetry and so full of these really, frankly, graphic, you know, examples. I mean, not with rated R. The, the, the movie might have had to made a TV, like edited for TV version, maybe. But I don't know what it would have been rated. Okay. So I want to jump into Song of Solomon a little bit to try to grab a couple key takeaways. I'm using the Passion Translation today, and I want to make a note about that translation. So the purpose, this is the first book that they interpreted for the Passion Translation. They started with Song of Songs. And the the intent around it It is like a dynamic interpretation. So what they're trying to do is search for what's the meaning, and then can we pull that meaning and translate the meaning? So a modern-day reader would grab a hold of what maybe some Hebrew context, cultural-relevant stuff was written originally. So it's not a literal translation. It's a dynamic, dynamic translation, but it's intentionally done that way. And in my mind, like when I read the Message Bible, 
the revelation in the Message Bible, it unlocked revelation for me. And then I could go back and reread it. And like because I had read it in something that was more familiar and context, that helped me. So the Passion Translation has really helped unlock Song of Songs to me as well. So I just wanted to put that out there. I don't know if anybody cares about Bible translations in the room, but I'm being intentional about using this one today. All right, so Song of Solomon, it's an intense, as I mentioned, graphic story that illustrates that Jesus, this person has a desire to be in Jesus' presence, and Jesus has a desire to be in our presence. Oliver, if you could put up the first reference, five, chapter five, verse three through four. I just want to read this. I've already laid aside my own garments for you. How could I take them up again? That's pretty graphic. Since I've yielded my righteousness to yours, you've cleansed my life and taken me so far. Isn't that enough? My beloved reached into me to unlock my heart. The core of my very being trembled at his touch. How my soul melted when he spoke to me. Haven't you felt those moments where you thought like you'd gone far enough with the Lord? Maybe you felt like you were in an okay place with the Lord. And then he reached inside of you. He said, I have something more for you. I want to go deeper with you. I want to take you places you've never been. I love you in ways you don't even know about. That's a felt emotional connection, isn't it? Haven't you felt that from the Lord? I think that's what this, what Psalm is trying to, trying to express. It's rich, it's intimate, it's deep. He, I want to move on. Where we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord and it's full of glory. It's full of His grace. It's a safe place. It's a place where we can find refreshment. Feel, feel filled up with refreshment. Let's read this next one, Oliver. Song, Song of Songs 2, 3 through 6. My beloved is to me the most fragrant apple tree. He stands above the sons of men. Sitting under his grace shadow, I blossom in his shade, enjoying the sweet taste of his pleasant, delicious fruit, resting with delight where his glory never fades. Suddenly, he transported me into his house of wine. He looked upon me with unrelenting love divine. Revive me with your raisin cakes. Revive, refresh me again with your apples. Help me and hold me for I'm a love, I'm love sin. I'm longing for more. Yet how could I take more? His left hand cradles my head while his right hand holds me close. I'm at rest in his love. That's a physical experience, isn't it? Emotionally, experience of being refreshed, revived. How many of you have gone into the Lord's presence and felt like you came out feeling refreshed and renewed, ready to jump back in? How many of you have been in a place in your life where you've been scared or where you've been hurt or where you've been broken and you felt the Lord cradle you and hold you and keep you safe physically? This is real, I think. It's not just a love story. Let's jump to the next one. Oliver, real quick, the five, six through eight, just to express this more about how we find ourselves in these places and we know we can't get enough of. And this part of the story, uh, I'll just read it. So I opened my soul to my beloved, but suddenly he was gone. My heart was torn out in longing for him. I sought his presence, his fragrance.
fragments, but could not find him anywhere. I called out for him, yet he did not answer me. I will arise and search for him until I find him. As I walked throughout the city in search of him, the overseers stopped me as they made their rounds. They beat me and bruised me until I could take no more. They wounded me deeply and removed their covering. Nevertheless, make me this promise, you brides to me. If you find my beloved one, please tell him I endured all travails for him. I've been pierced through by his love. I will not be turned inside. We felt that place. We just needed to get back in. Somewhere you've been before, you've been away from him and can't find him. You just need to get back there because you know how good it is to be there. And it hurts so bad that you're not there. Got to get back regardless of the cost. I think that's what Solomon's telling. This is not crazy stuff, you guys. I don't think. I mean, think about Solomon, right? Remember who Solomon's dad was? King David? David the psalmist? This, these themes are all through psalm, psalms. Right? Hide me under the shadow of the Almighty. Right? Hide me under his wing. The abandon that David had about being in the presence of the Lord. Right? Even undignified. Like, letting his clothing go. Right? To dance with abandon in front of the Lord. I think that Solomon saw his dad's passion for the Lord and he just took it to the next level with Song of Songs. But I, I was, I'm not going to share it for time, but there's, you know, hundreds of little pieces in Psalms that tell the same story if you don't like the Song of Songs version. All right. So we're the bride of Christ. Fair? And I believe the Lord is inviting us into a relationship with him that can be emotionally and physically felt. And sometimes we get stuck in a mundane and routine life. That happens. So what do we do? Right? We find time to spend time with the Lord out of the routine. I'm inviting you into these things, right? Just like in a marriage, sometimes you have to take a step or be intentional about reconnecting in a passionate, emotional, physical way. I'm inviting you to do that today, right? I want to invite you. Step away with the Lord. Find a time. You probably don't have to call it a date night. We probably don't want to call like a life link called date night with Jesus or anything. But the concept, find a way to steal away with Jesus, to reconnect outside of your everyday like routine, to reconnect in a way that's full of passion, in a way where he wants to draw you deeper. Stoke the fire, maybe there's things that you've done in the past that you can revisit that will help remind you of the things you love about the Lord. Worship's a great way for me to connect with the Lord emotionally and physically because I can go after him with abandonment and I recall things that he's taken me through in the past and thankfulness is a key, right? Enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, right? It's a key to getting into that place to where you can be physically and emotionally connected with the Lord. Mix things up. Don't do things the way that you've always done them. You know, not that routines are bad, not that daily habits are bad, devotions are good. Go into your prayer closet at the same time every day, that might be good. But mix it up so that you don't get stuck in the habit of doing things from a routine rote perspective. Is that fair? All right, I don't know what this actually looks like for you. But I do want to invite you into this place today. So that's, I want to release that today. I want to invite you, if you have 
fallen into the mundane and the routines, I want to invite you back into a passionate relationship. I want you to feel him reach into your heart and unlock something in you. I want to remind you that you are in love. I want to remind you that it's okay that that can be a part of your relationship with the Lord. It's meant to be a part of your relationship with the Lord. If you've never experienced that kind of love before, then I want to invite you into it. It's a part. You've been missing out. It's a great part. The logical, the theological, the rhetoric, that's, you know, that's, those parts are good. But this is a great part. I'm inviting you into it. And if you don't know the Lord, I want to invite you into that today too. I want to invite you into that place where you can, with abandon, say, Lord, I want to go on a journey with you. I want to figure out who you are, more about you. How about that? So let's go after that. Corey, can you come up? Um, I'm going to invite our ministry team up. And I am going to invite you to engage with this in the way that you see fit. So if you want to sit where you're at, if you want to stand, if you want to come up and be prayer for, I just want to invite you to react. Before we leave today, I want to invite you to react to this message in your heart. To grab a hold of whatever it is that you need to grab a hold of. Yeah, so like Ryan read, you know, the Lord's willing, able, interested in reaching his hand into your heart and unlocking it. So if that sounds like something that you are interested in, then let's stand up. Like Ryan mentioned, you know, this is also a great opportunity if you don't even know the Lord. If this doesn't make sense because you don't have a relationship with him, I'd like you to invite you forward and meet with one of these folks up here. And they would love to pray for you to meet Jesus. But let's pray. Lord, you are so great. You're so good, Lord. And I love you. And you love me. Lord, I just want to be in that place where I just know your presence. Lord, I want to be in a place where I can just feel you tangibly in my life because I know how much you love me. So right now, Lord, I just pray that you would intervene. So you would interject yourselves, yourself into our lives. That we would feel you in our hearts, in everyday life, wherever that might end up, Lord. You know, surprise us. You know, meet us in places where we wouldn't expect you. Find us in work where we're busy and bored and doing other stuff. 
Find us in the place where our kids are driving us crazy. Find us in the place where we can't deal with family anymore. Lord, I feel like those are the places where your love feels the most real. It has the opportunity to make the most difference in my life. So God, we just pray right now, Father, that you would. Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that you would descend. You would all knock our hearts. And do something new. Amen. Do you would like prayer with somebody? Do you want to step into more? Come forward, be engaged. We invite you to do that. We're going to sing about the Lord.